0: and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW group void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions.
1: 18 plus. Locked to the 50 million voices One, two, three, nine, five, five, the, street. On the street. Talking about the haters and three, who they will three. retreat. Now folks are talking hardy. Checking out the jobs. Despite the hate and lying leaders, we are still alive. I I I I stand tall, stand tall. Let me talk, let me talk, let me talk. Whoa, whoa. I I I I stand tall, stand tall. Let me talk, let me talk, let me let talk. Me tall.
2: Let me talk. One warrior of compassion reflection. Hello, <laughs> every Thursday. 11 a.m. to 12 p.m. Recorded and Warrior of reflection discussions available every Wednesday, if you would like to call in, from 11 a.m. to 12.30 p.m., live, where we reflect reality
3: back to you. Hello everyone. it's good to be here again. This is Warrior of Compassion Reflections Study number 18. If you have been following these studies and have been doing the exercises, I know that you are in great physical, mental and spiritual shape. which each one you are moving closer to the end of your study as a warrior of compassion and about to be a full member of the Warrior of Compassion Guild, WOCG, which is actually a virtual guild where we meet together through our actions and our desires to set the world free. The Warrior of Compassion is dedicated to self-knowledge and personal growth as well as being dedicated to building community and making the world a better place. It is a calling, a way of life, where is this community, you may ask? Where is my community? This is a question like the one postulated in the Bible where the question was asked, who is my neighbor? And the answer, of course, turned out to be anyone who you treat like a neighbor, which should be everyone. For the warrior, the community is larger than just a neighborhood. It is a state. It is a country, it is a world, every species, and even the whole cosmos, if you are able to hear this. We work to heal the whole world and to struggle against negative forces so that others can study, grow, and prosper. We walk in love, peace, justice, and power, and the things that we do, the things that we do, our actions, will last as cleansing agents in this world for eternity. If this is the first show you have listened to, I suggest you go all the way back to the beginning at Study 1. We listen to one episode per month and do the exercise that accompanies these lessons to promote physical, mental, and spiritual growth. The exercises are mandatory if you would like to see any change take place in your life internally. There are some exercises you cannot do. Feel free to substitute something similar. All exercises are not good for all people. And as they always say, please check with your doctor, your physician before starting a new physical program. It's always good to be with you. And we will be starting the reading. Study eighteenth of the W O T G After this message.
2: Exploring spirituality very deeply can be very difficult, especially in a society like ours, and especially for people who are African American and who don't fit in the mainstream. The problem with going to Places in the mainstream is that we often run into a wall of racism and negativity. Sometimes we're not even allowed in the true sacred circles where they explore deep spirituality. Often in our own communities we are surrounded by the black church which understands any type of spirituality except for Christianity to be from demons or the devil. This even includes the spirituality of our ancestors. We have written a book called Coming Up on the Rough Side, a memoir about the experiences of Om Prakash Gilmore, working hard in order to take a hold of this being that some call God in a mystical sense, read about the journey of Om Prakash, the struggle against the church the white community, and many of the social implications of life that stifled and almost destroyed him as he continually sought to merge with the divine because of a deep-seated desire planted within his heart you can purchase this book at amazon.com or clearspace.com or you can go to our website at www.nextstepcoaching.for the number t the letter.com that is www.nextstepcoaching.for t.com and on one of our website pages you will find a link taking you directly to amazon.com where you can learn just a little bit more about the book. Thank <laughs> you.
3: study in November the writer writes it is a new month but we are still in the midst of autumn the land is colorful the light from the sun is soft slanting at that strange angle that gives one a longing feeling every so often strong breezes whip up carrying dried leaves and grass from fields to streets across sidewalks and to other fields Every so often, they carry the seeds that will take root and become fertile in other fields. It is said that the universe is in love with diversity. The fact that these seeds move all over the place helps demonstrate that. We also send our seeds, our seeds, are our thoughts, our behaviors, and our attitudes. The way that we display what we believe for all the world to see. As we live our lives from day to day, we are giving off seeds. smile at the right time can lift a person up from the depths of despair and help them be more kind and open. A crown can leave an already depressed person devastated and make them angry and bitter. In our freedom, there is also responsibility and opportunity. For the seeds we plant today, bring forth the food that we will offer
1: reap tomorrow.
3: As we go through our harried lives, as we drive down the street struggling to keep up with the ungodly fast flow of traffic, or try to get around yet another traffic jam, and or a slow, quote, idiot, unquote, let us remember to think about the good things in life, even in the midst of the struggle. As we do this, and we begin to remember the good and to take our eyes off the pain and sorrow in our lives, we will see and feel strongly that life is always miraculous and beautiful. Life is the embodiment of love if we read, if we live it in the right way. Remembering this, that it is all about love and building a relationship with the beauty that's around us will help us sow the seeds from which we will reap a brighter future. In order to be purposeful about the creation of a brighter future, it may help to envision that future. What would we like to see? What would a future look like if it were ruled by love, for the rule of love, the kingdom Kingdom of heaven or God is simply a metaphor for the rule of love, according to John the apostle, for he says, know ye not that God is love. Those who do not walk in love do not have God. If God is love, how can the rule of God not be synonymous with the rule of love? What would the rule of love look like? Think about it for a few moments. What would that world look like? What does our belief system say about the way it would look? What does your belief system say? Is your belief system something alive? Or is it something that is just a philosophy that is separate from reality and life? This should not be the case for a warrior or a real teacher. To have a real belief system, it must come to life. It has to flourish because of the actions that we do in the name of that belief system. For a belief system to be valuable and meaningful, it has to translate into action or good fruit. What does it mean, therefore, to live under the rule of love or to build oneself a true romance with the beauty that surrounds her? or him, can a person be anti-gay and walking in love can a person support legislation that will give them more of an excess of goods and that will take away the little that his or her struggling neighbor has if he or she walks in love? Can a person vote for a politician who spends over 50% of the budget on the creation of weapons for destruction when most people don't have medical coverage and homelessness is rampant if he or she is walking in love, and living in beauty. These are important questions and difficult ones. They cut through our Western socialization and go straight to the heart. The questions are pointed and sharp like a two-edged sword that cuts both ways. I remember a story in the book of Genesis in the Hebrew scripture. It said that humans were put out of the Garden of Eden And that an angel was put at a gate with a fiery sword to keep everyone out. As you may know, the metaphor of a sword was often used to represent the written word of God or the wisdom of God. Angels were understood to be messengers of God in the Hebrew sense. They were not necessarily spirits or things with wings. They were always strangers who appeared and who carried messages from God. Perhaps this double-edged sword is related to the questions that I have just raised. Perhaps the fact that living and walking in love in a capitalistic society cuts totally across our socialization and makes these questions a sword. The sword cuts through every belief that we have developed about competition, about people having to stand on their own two feet and pull themselves up by their foot bootstraps. It nullifies the rationalization that says that anything that needs to be done in the name of business or economic survival to supersede the morality system that we hold near and dear to our hearts it breaks down the walls we have built to help us not feel the pain of the poor and suffering while we struggle to keep our weight down because we have too much food while most of the world is starving. Life is ugly for people who struggle to survive. It is often more ugly for those who prosper off of the labor and suffering of others and recognize that they do so. We try to turn away from the ugliness and injustice instead of facing it. But as a warrior, it's time for you to face the ugliness and to decide purposely how you will react to it. Evil would not go away if we just ignore it. Like building a house over a sinkhole. Eventually the house is destroyed. If one can get past the sword, one can enter into the garden. If one can get past themselves, the conditioned self, and begins to live in reality, one can enter the garden. What would this new garden on earth look like? Would there be hunger? Would there be poverty? Would there be lack of educational opportunities? Would a small percentage of people own most of the land? Would industry move from place to place in order to maintain more profit while leaving towns, cities, and regions who depended on them for their livelihoods devastated? The answer to these questions are no. Who can hear this, however? Can you hear it? If you cannot, to what goal in life are you working? What are you teaching? Those who work to bring about change at such a deep level as the replacement of the might makes right Western philosophy. Western philosophy that prevails in most of the world are radical. Anyone who wants to create a society that is actually ruled by justice and love is a radical. A radical means bringing about change at the root. People who want to bring about change at the root. beliefs of our system are radicals. Those who want to maintain the system and provide sustenance for the disenfranchised, while maintaining the appearance and philosophy of love and justice only, are liberals. They want to maintain their place in the system or move up and help those right below, as long as the ones below, never move up to threaten their power. This is liberalism. As you continue these lessons, I think that it is important to decide which way of life of which you will be a part. What do you want to pass on to your descendants? For what part of yourself will you be remembered? My philosophy and way of life is that of the compassionate, rascal. I work for change in this world at the root, realizing that it will take time and much energy. I work for transformation in a responsible way, knowing fully well that I am in a long line of people from the past who have made this world a better place. As I work as a compassionate radical, I also realize that people like myself, those who have been radical, even though some mistakenly refer to themselves as liberals, are the ones who have maintained this society. The compassionate radicals. Have kept the haters of humankind at bay and have preserved and fought for the few liberties that we still have. I think that being a compassionate radical is the best thing that one can be. However, you must decide what your political perspective should be. When this is done, compare it to the way that you think the world should be and the way that many religions describe the perfect world. And then ask yourself this question that the theologian James Luther Adams asked himself. I were alive during the development of fascism in pre-World War II Germany. Would anything that I am doing now have stopped the creation of a fascist government? Think about this before answering and answer honestly the fascist thought that theirs was a perfect world. It wasn't, because it didn't include everyone. If the answer to the question is no, I think that as a teacher and warrior, you should begin to change your views for our actions, bring forth, from the belief system that is deep within our hearts. As friend in Fire said, paint a pretty smile each day, loving is a blessing. Never let it fade away. It's all about love. Right. a parable found in the Greek scripture. As you may know, parables were stories told by the rabbi Jesus. They were metaphorical in nature in order to convey a deeper level of understanding than a straight written philosophical text. Read the following, or listen to it in this case, unless you purchase the book and review it, looking at the servant and the talents there's a story about a great king I will convey the story in the oral tradition because that is the way in which it was meant to be conveyed in the oral tradition, the essence of the story and the central meaning it conveyed not the story word for word there was a story about a great king the king was going to leave his town for a while before he leaves, he gives out some money to those who he thinks are faithful servants. He gives each one according to his or her ability. One he gives five talons. The other he gives ten talents, The other he gives three talents. And the last one he gives one talent. When the king gets back into town, he meets with his servants. They speak one at a time. The one who had been given ten talents Step forward, smiling, broadly. See, Lord, he says, I've taken your ten talents, the ones that you gave me, invested them wisely and made ten more. The Lord smiles and said, Oh, you very good faithful servant. Come into my house now. I'll share my land with you and make you a leader. The second one comes forth. Look, no, Lord, he says, you've given me five talents. I've invested them wisely and made five more. Excellent. The Lord says, come into my house. Now I'll share my land with you and make you a leader. The third one who had three talents stepped forward, smiling, broadly. Lord, you've given me three talents and I've invested them. Now I've made three more. She smiled brightly. Good, my faithful servant, the Lord says, beaming. Now come into my lands and you shall share what I have and be a great leader. The fourth one who had one talent stepped forward, his eyes brows were furrowed, mouth. Tight, straight. The Lord waited, finally the man spoke. Well, Lord, since I knew you were an austere man who reaped the fruit of fields that you didn't plant and who punished those who made mistakes, I took your talent and buried it in my field so that when you came back, I could give it to you. Here's your talent. The Lord leaned back and looked at him with a critical eye. Do you? The Lord said. But if he knew that and thought of me that way, you should have had sense to make my take my coin and make money off of it, so that I would have more when I got back. Take that coin away from him, he told the guards, and give it to the one who has ten pounds. As for him, bind him up and throw him out into the other dark and the cold. To whoever has more will be given to whoever has not little he thinks he has will be taken away. What does this story mean? I think this is an excellent parable. I often use parables to convey messages with deeper meanings because the parable teaches not by filling the person with wisdom or knowledge per se, but by drawing out the knowledge that is already within the person. It opens the heart so that the person who is self-aware begins to understand, while the person who is not self-aware has the benefit of becoming more aware, what is the meaning of this parable? I think that it is very important to really look at it so that we can begin to understand and examine this parable. First, I would like to look at the way that it is often taught in your typical Sunday schools about the United States. I would then like to explore it with a twist, so to speak. I'm not declaring, by any means, that the way we will explore together is the only way or the truth. It is, however, another way of understanding hidden message. The way that story was always explained to me was this way. The three people who had the most talents and who invested them were the people who heard the word of God. They heard the story about Jesus being the Son of God and about salvation through believing in Jesus. These three men took that message into their hearts. As a result, they went into the world, living Christian lives. They began to evangelize. The talents they received from their investment represented all of the souls that were brought to the Lord. They were good and faithful servants because they became Christians and got many people to convert also. The one who received one talent was hateful. He heard the word of Jesus and said he believed it, but he never lived it. He didn't evangelize it or lead a life that drew people to Jesus. His salvation was only fire and choice because he didn't realize the nature of God. He saw God as an evil tyrant. He was therefore bound and cast into hell for not having faith in God and not living a Christian life. The little that he had that was given to the one who had ten in the beginning. Because that one loved God so much. And had taken in and lived Christianity so much. That he was rewarded once again for saving many souls. As many of our evangelical brothers and sisters told me, every time a soul was saved, angels in heaven rejoice. For each one that is converted by you, you receive another jewel for your crown. Of glory many people we say to go to heaven but all will not be equal there they will have some vessels reserved for honor in the Lord's house if you're working to bring many souls to the Lord you will have a high stature there because you have believed the gospel this is a very interesting concept of heaven I would say When we look at this idea, we can see that it is truly aligned with this parable. Everything that it says matches up with the fundamentalist idea of heaven. The fact is, however, that another explanation also matches up. It is an explanation, however, that goes deeper than the previous one. I would say that the fact that the evangelical person believed that one must work to save souls, has slightly colored what he or she saw in the parable. The belief probably limited the breadth and the depth of the hidden lesson. I'd like to look at this parable with a twist, so to speak. I would like to look first at the conclusion of the parable, and then examine the rest with the conclusion serving as the foundation for our understanding of the rest of the parable. The conclusion is very short. It doesn't seem to fit with the rest. The wording is very interesting though. Since you understand me to be that way, you should have invested my money and given me more. This implies a sort of relationship between the way the master in this story treated the servant and the way the servant thought of the master. The master treated the servant the way the master did, not because the master was necessarily a mean and austere person, but because that is the way the person thought of the master. The master saw that the servant was not living in a way that reflected his own belief system. He was first judged not by the master, but his own belief system and cast out because of his own belief system he failed to live a life that truly reflected his stated belief system. It then said, to whoever has, more will be given. To whoever has not, even the little bit he or she thinks he or she has will be taken away. What does this mean? I think that it means that whoever has the truth, Whoever has love, whoever has beauty and understanding in his or her heart will receive more. Whoever does not, and is prideful enough to think that he or she is the only one who has the truth, will have a small bit of love, beauty, and understanding taken away and will be cast out into cold, utter darkness, where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. This, my friend, is the twist. It is the place where most mainline denominations won't go it is a saying that is too too heavy for most people to hear it's hard to receive this saying you got to give so much power back to the individual that it makes us not only responsible for what we do as a result for what we believe but responsible for what we believe as we go deeper Into this parable, we can see something that is similar to the Indian concept of karma. We see the servant with one talent, creating his own downfall by his actions. We see a Lord who is not the one who is necessarily an evil, angry person who is condemning the servant. But as a figure who seems to be creation, the master is a figure that seems to be the agent of the cause and effect, relationship, Many of the mystics would know this figure as God, Goddess, the Logos, the Reason, the Oversoul, and many other names. No matter what the name, this person or this power is ever present for the mystic. It is always there. Whatever the creative process is often rewards wisdom and intelligence and punishes stupidity, anger, and hatred. Many of us have learned to use certain words for this creative process, mainly because we cannot understand what it is completely. We don't really know. As soon as we form an opinion, however, that is not an opinion of something that is loving kind and just, we begin to live our lives based on what we think the universe is, which may in no way resemble what the universe is. God it is, I use the words, all of the words, interchangeably. If we begin to apply this parable to our own lives and to all the things around us, if we begin to see that being cast into darkness and cold does not have to necessarily take physical form, but can be something that happens socially, we can see where this parable is often true. If a person hoards his or her talent, if he or she becomes bitter and sees the world as an evil place and then withholds the gift that he or she has been given at birth, if he or she withholds his or her gifts and talents and never uses them, if he or she gives her or his power away or buries it or uses it just to struggle through life, waiting for it to end and never takes the chance to reach out and help others and to reach out so that he or she might grow, that person is automatically separated from his or her own community. He or she has been bound up in darkness and cold. He or she is unable to move, or she he or she is unable to feed off of the love, unable to feel the warmth of human touch, or to experience the beauty that surrounds us every day as we walk underneath magical skies and look up at beautiful landscapes. Here she only sees darkness because of his or her belief about the way the world is. As soon as one claims that he or she has the truth, as soon as he or she says that they have understanding, a door in the mind is shut and he or she is frozen there. He or she is frozen at a rung on a ladder of understanding that should have just been a transition place. And as long as he or she holds on to that truth, he or she is separate from reality and living in illusion. This also includes the one who would say that this parable represents reward for people who do evangelism and punishment for those who do not. Remember, it says, to whoever has, more will be given. To whoever has not that little he thinks he has will be taken away. The person with one talent was a person who thought that he had the truth. He knew that he had the truth. The same is true about many who are closed off across all religions and philosophies. I think that the Dutra in this peril is a fundamentalist. The Dutra was a fundamentalist who believed that God was hard and to be feared. He didn't trust God and thought that the mean old thing would punish everyone. The loser was someone who had the same understanding of God that I had when I was young, because I was taught that way. We were afraid to say what we thought of God. We refused to admit it. We would focus on Jesus all of the time because we felt God was a vicious old mean thing that was too mean to talk with. same was true about many people praying to the Virgin many centuries ago. God was too mean. You couldn't go straight to God or God would kill you. Many people felt that way and still do. They withhold their gifts and their talents and won't take part in enjoying the world because somewhere in the back of their minds, they believe that God will punish them if they have fun. The truth is that they are already being punished. They are being punished now by their idea of what God is until they experience truth more truth if not the truth they will be trapped harmatically if there's such a word by their own thoughts and the actions that take place as a result of those thoughts they will lead ugliness meaningless lives i myself personally would say that god is god The ground of being, love is not a tyrant. God just is. Who or what God is, I don't know or care. Perhaps the creative process of the world, the ground of being, whatever. It is not this principle who has been the tyrant in my life, however. The tyrants have always been people. The tyrants have ranged from the petty tyrants and bullies, to organize systems of oppression. The tyrants have always been secular and religious fundamentalists. This is the reality that we must begin to live in as human beings in this new millennium. Blaming God or the devil for good or evil on the conscious or subconscious level has no meaning. By the works of our hands and our hearts, we do God and the devil. Meister Eckhart, a great mystic, once said that we human beings are daily birthing God as we create beauty and live in love. I would say we are also creating Satan as we create hatred, fear, and hunger. This parable is one about sight and responsibility. It's about having the sight and insight to understand the way the world really is and about taking the responsibility to work with friends and loved ones create a beautiful world i choose to think of the universe as a friendly place i choose to find beauty in everything around me i choose to focus on the positive i choose to find peace i choose to reach out and take this sometimes wild world by the reins and to ride it for all it's worth in joy in splendor and in happiness i don't know what comes after this life Heaven, hell, purgatory world business, it. it really doesn't matter that much for me. For as I go gently into that good night, at that last instance, a smile will come to my face, a knowing smile, because I will know in my heart of ours that on this earth, I
2: have truly lived with all of the negativity going on today. Now is the time to throw off those chains of normalcy and the underlying feeling of dissatisfaction that comes with it by learning the truth about yourself, the truth about the universe, and the truth about your power to set yourself and others free. We can explore all of your options together to help build a better life By firstly improving your capacity to do the most important thing, love yourself and know yourself. You can lead a victorious life right now. Our next step coaching program is one of empowerment. It is a customized approach to life coaching that will empower you in many ways, from learning self defense to learning stress reduction techniques. From learning meditation and exploring your own spirituality to learning forms of Tai Chi or Qigong or just working step by step through your thoughts and ideas to regain control of your life is all possible through John Gilmore's Next Step Coaching. Please visit us at wwwnextstepcoaching4 that is www.nextstepcoaching.for the number t the com, where you can learn more about our coaching program. Change your life now. Don't wait. Now is
3: the time. This month's exercises TME. If you've been doing the standing at the tree posture or holding the balloon for twenty minutes. You should actually be in great, great shape. If not, partake of one of these postures and build up to it until you can hold it for 20 minutes. Continue to do holding the balloon until you become relaxed as if floating on air or you're being supported by some invisible force. Next month, we'll go on to something else. While you are standing still, doing holding the ball, become sensitive to your breath and where the energy in your body is going. Note the tight and painful spots. Concentrate on them. Try to visualize your breath as you breathe in, going into those parts. Relax them as you inhale. Inhale. Imagine your breath going there. As you exhale, imagine the energy that is knotted up in those areas, moving through the limbs and out of the body. It is not mandatory that you do these exercises. All of these things and lessons are somewhat optional, but you need to replace these exercises with something else. Try them anyway. You'll find that they are very powerful, powerful than most other exercises you will find. You will begin to notice how much energy you have when it comes to doing other exercises. You'll also realize that your thinking capabilities in the midst of struggle and uncertainty are more clear and powerful. Continue with your own daily exercises and meditation. By now, you should have created something that is tailored to your own needs. And personality. And as you move closer to becoming a warrior of compassion, you will have to begin to depend more on yourself to develop programming. Great teacher. Work on your healing. Continue to work on your personal growth. Be a teacher and a warrior and have fun, for there are times of being serious, times for being serious, and there's times for having fun. These lessons and the way that you carry them out are serious. But if there's no time for fun, if there's no time for joy and your creativity to be brought to the forefront, even while you're studying, the coursework is not worth it. As we enter into the divine, we enter in to joy and laughter fully. For joy and laughter is the portal to the divine and so we thank you for being with us for these studies we are really coming close to the end we have about four more studies for those who are interested and then you will be done this training and you will be able to go out into the world as a warrior of passion are probably working that way right now to change the world and make it a better place. There's always a good feeling to have one has when one completes a program, the total program, one that is designed to lead them to think in different directions, in many directions, at one step at a time. And so thank you for being with us again. I invite you to partake of some of our other programming. We have a word of compassion, reflection, discussion. We have a just talking radio show at night where we read from books. And we have a Dharma talk at the end. And we also have a religious service every other Sunday explore the deep meaning of the world, of life, of love, of spirituality, from many different faiths and traditions, and where we hopefully give you a chance to uplift yourself during these times of struggle and pain due to faulty poor, and narrow leadership, The narrow leadership in place during these days. Namaste, everyone.
1: Fifty million voices mumbling from the streets. Talking about the haters and who they will retreat. retreat. Now folks are talking hardy, checking out the jobs. Despite the hate and lying leaders, we are still alive. I I, 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 stand tall, stand tall. Let me talk, let me talk, let, let me talk. Whoa, whoa, I, 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 stand tall, stand tall. Let me talk, let me talk, let me talk
2: let me talk one warrior of compassion reflection available every thursday 11 a.m. to 12 p.m. recorded and the warrior of reflection discussions
3: available
2: every wednesday if you'd like to call in from 11 a.m to 12.30pm, live, where we reflect
3: reality back to you.